So we're going to continue going through the Sermon on the Mount, and tonight we're looking at Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Let me read this before we pray. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O, o you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you that you have gathered us here tonight. And we confess that we need to hear from you. Um, we also confess that we may be distracted or tired or weary. Um, and some of us may be feeling great. But we ask you, as we often do, that you would meet us wherever we are, that you would comfort us where we need to be comforted, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. We ask that you would dig out for us ears to see Jesus. He's who we need. We pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, so one night when I was uh, dating Melissa, um, I, I think we were pretty serious at this point, um, I'm walking her to, uh, to the car, and it's cold out, it's chilly, and I'm going to get the car for her. And, and she just sort of tells me, informs me, she goes, I'm cold. And I was, I don't know, being silly, trying to just respond, I don't know what. And I said, well, don't be cold. She said, I can't help it, I'm cold. I was like, whoa, <laughs> she's fierce. Okay, we'll get you in the car. Um, I didn't mean like to, to offend in any way, but it's funny. She's not wrong, right? Uh, telling somebody not to be cold doesn't warm them up. It doesn't keep them from being cold, right? It's possible to hear Jesus when he says, don't be anxious, to respond and say, well, thanks, Jesus. Is that all it takes is for me not to be anxious? You just tell me not to be anxious, and now I can stop sinning. Don't be cold. Well, thanks, Joe. Don't be anxious. It's only natural to think, this is not helpful advice, Jesus. This does not help me with my anxiety. If it did, I would have said this to myself a long time ago. The anxiety that Jesus is combating is anxiety over our needs, our immediate needs, food and clothing. But it's also something more than that. The sentence in the context right before the first word, therefore, right? So what's it there for? Jesus says you cannot serve God and money. You can't serve both. You can't serve 
me and money. But the thing is, we talked about this a little bit last week, you can never merely serve money. You serve what money can bring you. We serve power, or we serve freedom, or we serve prestige, and money is often the way that we get these things. And what Jesus is saying is, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about where you will work one day. Don't be anxious about who you will marry one day. Don't be anxious about the money in your bank account or the clothes that you put on your back or the food that you're going to eat. The anxiety that Jesus is confronting here is tied up with, well, in the same way that we can't serve God and money, what Jesus is saying, you can't serve my kingdom and your kingdom. Often the money that you want, the freedom you want, the power you want, the reputation you want, really is a means of building up your kingdom, your vision for what would bring you meaning and purpose in this life that would elevate you. You can't serve my kingdom and your kingdom. We tend to be anxious about the things that would make our lives more convenient, that would make our lives easier, that would make our lives more attractive, that would make our lives make others envious of us. And here's a verse that jumps out to me in this passage. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus obviously is not challenging the goodness of food or clothing. Remember, just a few verses ago, he says, you should actually pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray for food. It is good. Clothing likewise is good just as jobs and spouses are good. Nevertheless, Jesus wants to expand the way that we think about our bodies. He wants to expand the way that we think about our lives. He wants us to have a bigger vision of what we are here for, not just our kingdoms, but the kingdom of God. Look at verse 26. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Here's Jesus' argument. Birds don't worry about eating. You are worth more than birds. You shouldn't worry about what you are eating either. Uh, Worrying is beneath you because not even the birds have to worry. And not only that, guys, it doesn't do anything. When you worry, does it ever change anything? Does it change your circumstances? No, of course not. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? To whom? To whom is life more than food? To whom is the body more than clothing? And you may think, well, Joe, obviously to us, Jesus is encouraging us to think that to us, our lives are more than food. Our bodies are more than clothing. Yes. But how is that encouraging? He's telling us that our lives are more than food. Our bodies are more than clothing because God thinks so. 
To God, our lives are more than food, our bodies more than clothing. To God, that's how He thinks of us. And Jesus is saying, because this is your Heavenly Father's perspective, this should be your perspective. Implicit to our worry is the concern, who will take care of me? That's what I'm worried about. Who will take care of me? And Jesus is saying, your heavenly Father will. And you were anxious because you do not believe that or you think it is your job to take care of yourself. And then he doubles down. Birds don't worry about food. Lilies, flowers don't worry about clothing. Will he not much more clothe you because you're worth more to him than flowers? And so you shouldn't worry because... To God, our lives and our bodies are more than food and clothing. O oh, you of little faith, O oh, you who hardly believe, you don't have to be anxious. Believe. He says, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like those who don't know their maker. In other words, remember, God is aware of everything. His bandwidth is infinite. He can keep all the plates spinning at the same time across the world, across the universe. His bandwidth is infinite. Do you ever have stressful weeks where you start forgetting things, forgetting to include attachments in emails, or, or when an assignment is due because you've got so much going on, your bandwidth is finite. His is infinite. And not only is his bandwidth infinite, so is his concern for his children. He knows all things, sees all things, and he still cares about all things. He doesn't care for us like Julie cares for her hermit crabs. Have you heard about her hermit crabs? Someone gave her a hermit crab. Well, they, yeah, they gave her a hermit crab for house sitting. How does she take care of her hermit crab? She puts them in a container and then she goes off with her day. Not because she's a bad person, because that's how we take care of hermit crabs. And then later she thinks, I should check on this hermit crab. I should feed this hermit crab. I should pick up this hermit. Oh, its legs fell off. <laughs> that was unexpected. I think my hermit crab is sick. <laughs> When Jesus is saying, look at the birds of the air, God is mindful of them, He takes care of them, He feeds them, His, His bandwidth is infinite, He never has to check on His children. He never has to come back and put us on His mind. Because His bandwidth is infinite. His love, His care, His concern, infinite. He doesn't forget about you one day and then come and check on you another. I think Jesus likes birds. He seems to notice them when He's teaching the disciples. Later on in Matthew, He's teaching again and it's like He sees some birds and He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from from your father. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. 
His bandwidth is infinite. Birds don't fall to the ground apart from the Father. They don't fall to the ground because He forgot to check on them. He knows all of them. He provides for His creatures. He provides for His children. And so remember when you were anxious, as I must remember when I am anxious, that God's love and concern and bandwidth is infinite and it includes us. He loves us actively, provides for us actively. And you know what this means, don't you? It means that nothing that happens surprises Him, ever. It means that nothing that happens to you is outside of His control. Everything that happens in some way, even if we fail to see it, serves His kingdom. Because that's what He's building. It's His kingdom. This is God's mission, to build His kingdom. When what Jesus is saying is, we need to learn to rejoice in what He's building. We need to learn to rejoice in His kingdom more than we long for our kingdom. Because God is building His kingdom, Jesus is saying, rejoice in that. And we can rejoice in that only when we learn to begin to long for it. To see His kingdom growing, coming to more fruition. Then we realize that whatever happens to us and our kingdoms are secondary. Because what He's doing is He's building His kingdom, He's including us. Now here's the rub. The reason that we have anxiety about our kingdoms is because our kingdoms are naturally primary to us. We think about our kingdoms first. And we want to be good people, maybe. We want to maybe see God glorified in our kingdoms, build something great for me, and, and you get glory in your own way, too. Let's both get what we want. In my view of my kingdom, I'm a rock star and Jesus is still great. Let's do that. Jesus is saying, no, check your kingdom at the door. Learn to love about mine. Learn to love mine. When we think about God's kingdom, we, we often think about it through the lens of our own kingdom. I will serve God. I will pursue this person, even if they're difficult, so long as it fulfills me. I will lead this small group. I will strive to pray more regularly in some way because it serves me. Makes me feel good. Makes others think that I'm good. We even see this when we pray. Lord, here's what I want for my kingdom. Make my kingdom your will. Please do this thing for me. And that's not, I'm not saying that praying for God to do things is wrong, but Often it's, yield to me, God, because I know what's good for me. And Jesus says, your heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows what you need more than you know what you need. And often the things that we want are the very things that we don't need. Jesus is calling us to change our priorities. Stop living for yourselves, he's saying. Stop striving for your kingdoms, he's saying. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So how do we seek his kingdom? How do we seek his righteousness first? How do we learn to repent from seeking our own kingdoms? How do we put his will in front of our own wills? And how do we put his agenda in front of our own agenda? And how do we start to put his glory in front of our own glory? We have to see that we have a place in his kingdom. We have to see that we actually belong in his kingdom. And that his kingdom is for our good. We may not get everything that we want. It may not look anything like our kingdoms, but his kingdom is also the perfect kingdom for the father's children. Jesus says, your father knows what you need, so seek his kingdom and his righteousness. He knows what you need. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Now we say this a lot in RUF, but it, it, it's important. It bears repeating. Your father knows what you need. And God as father can only be God as father where there is faith in Jesus Christ. When we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, His life, His death, His resurrection on our behalf, His Father becomes our Father. And it's easy to sort of gloss over every time you see the word Father and just think, okay, God, God, God. No, 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 Father. Intimate relationship with the triune God of the universe. The Father of the Son becomes the Father of us. Your Father knows what you need So seek his kingdom first. It's easy to gloss over how important that is. Jesus does not want us to forget that we can relate to God as father through him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The father loves his children so much that he sends his son Or to put it another way, the Father loves His children so much that He sought us. He sought us. He sought us first. What can motivate us to seek His kingdom first? We have to be moved by the reality that God sought us first. That we can know God as Father because He sought us in Jesus. And when that begins to move us, we begin to want to seek His kingdom. We want to seek the kingdom that sought us first. What will cause us to seek first the kingdom of God? The reality that we already have a place in it through Jesus Christ. That Jesus is not speaking in a vacuum. Father is distant, so seek His kingdom. No, no. He has drawn near in the person of Jesus. He has sought us out. And so that enables us to seek Him out. To seek His kingdom out. You understand the significance that God's vision for the world includes you. By faith in Jesus as a child of God, His kingdom is the best kingdom there is for us. 
And we seek it because we actually come to find it beautiful. We seek what is beautiful. We seek what is attractive. What in the world enabled me to pursue Melissa when I was a shy college student? She's beautiful to me, attractive to me, and not just in appearance, but as a person. And I start to think I am going to regret not having this person in my life. My life will not be what I think it should be without her in my life. I will pursue her because she is beautiful as a person. And Jesus wants us to see that the kingdoms that we fantasize for ourselves and build for ourselves and long for ourselves are empty. That our lives will be empty unless we see that Jesus' kingdom, the Father's kingdom, is attractive. So attractive that we want to pursue it and seek it. And it's beautiful and attractive because He has first pursued us. We need a better kingdom than the ones that we want for ourselves. And when we see the beauty of his kingdom, this will lead us to pursue what Jesus calls righteousness. When God's kingdom is desirable, when his righteousness is desirable, we will seek what Jesus says is righteous. We will seek what he says is a beautiful kingdom. We will see where our sexuality fits in his kingdom, and we will seek that. We will see where loving and honoring all people is a part of His kingdom, and we will find it beautiful, and we will pursue that. We will see that in His kingdom, racial reconciliation is beautiful and worthy of pursuing. His justice is beautiful justice. We seek that out. We see that giving of our time and our energy and our resources to the poor and to His church is beautiful, and so we pursue that because His kingdom and His righteousness are attractive to us. And most importantly, we seek His kingdom by seeking His King. We see that the person of Jesus Christ is becoming more and more beautiful than what we long for our lives apart from Him. And when you seek this king, the righteous one, Jesus promises that the Father will give us what we need. But you can only invest yourself in his kingdom once you realize that his kingdom is already invested in you. He's not earning anything by seeking. That He's not going to love you more by your seeking. He's already sought you out. And he's going to keep investing in you daily. Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We're not called to some distant king that has to check in on us. Jesus teaches us, remember, pray to your father daily for what you need. Give us this day our daily bread. And if we want to start fighting anxiety in our lives, Jesus is calling us to receive him by faith. Come to me again by faith. Long for me again by faith. Receive him as the one who actively and powerfully loves us, enough to die for our sins, 
enough to take on himself the wrath of his father that we deserve, enough to call his kingdom more beautiful and more attractive than the fantasies that we have for our own kingdoms, enough to invite us to come before him daily in prayer because he knows what we need. And following Jesus means trusting that his kingdom will ultimately offer the best possible good there is for us. What is the best possible good? It's life with our king forever. It's life with the person of Jesus Christ forever. It's life the way Jesus designed it forever, with him and for him When you start to long for a life with Jesus forever, we realize that so much of what we are anxious about, so much of what we worry about, really has nothing to do with serving Jesus. And yet he has promised us himself forever. His promise isn't going anywhere. And we think to ourselves, yes, but what about my future? What about these still very real issues? And Jesus says, I'm there in your future, taking care of you. Yeah, but what I'm really concerned about, what I'm really seeking first is something else. And I think Jesus would say, exactly. And you need to learn to repent. And we can, because Jesus promises to forgive everyone who runs to him in faith. That when we repent, and go to him for trying to build our own kingdoms, for thinking that Jesus' kingdom is secondary or tertiary at best, he will forgive us and enable us to seek him more. Here's another thing that I think is important, though, just in closing. Fighting anxiety in our lives, fighting unbelief in our lives, is not the same thing as defeating anxiety. Winning over anxiety 100% of the time. But we learn to fight when we call anxiety what it really is. Unbelief. Unbelief that his kingdom is better than our own. Unbelief that his kingdom is better for us than our own. Unbelief that his kingdom is more permanent than our own. And yet, as we become convinced that his kingdom has sought us out, we are enabled to seek his kingdom out, to seek his righteousness out. How do you fight your anxiety? You seek a person. You run to the person of Jesus Christ, who is real. We can come to him in faith, and he will love us, and he will forgive us, and he will change us, and he will change our desires away from our kingdoms and for his kingdom. And he will provide for us everything that we need. So let's trust him and let's seek him. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we want to run to you even now. And we ask that you would make yourself more lovely to us, make yourself more believable to us, and we pray that as we seek you, we really only do that as you have first drawn near to us. And so we ask that you would keep doing that and that you would draw us to yourself 
that you would make your kingdom beautiful to us, beautiful enough to change our own vision for ourselves, to sacrifice our own vision for you, because you've sacrificed everything for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's sing.